say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to Inspiration and Transformation from the Banks of the Ganga with Sadvi Bhagwati Saraswati, an American sannyasi living at the Parmarth Nikitan Ashram in Rishikesh, India. Sadvi is president of the Divine Shakti Foundation, a charitable organization bringing education, vocational training, upliftment, and empowerment programs to women and children. Sadvi is also Secretary General of the Global Interfaith Wash Alliance and Director of the world-famous International Yoga Festival. Join the musings of an American sannyasi as Sadvi shares the wisdom and teachings of her guru, His Holiness, Pujyaswami Chidanand Saraswatiji. Welcome, everyone, to Inspiration and Transformation from the Holy Banks of the sacred Ganga River in the land of Rishikesh, India. Negative thinking. This is a, it's a tragic pattern, and it's one that so many of us, so many of us fall prey to. We do it because we've been programmed to do it. Very, very sadly, but very, very insidiously. We have been raised in a culture. Two pieces. One is our basic culture of education and discipline, which is a system based on punishments rather than rewards. The kids who do well and behave are ignored. The kids who are the problems are the ones who get all of the attention. So what we hear constantly is, you're stupid, you're bad, you're this, you're that, and we internalize it. The other piece of it is the culture. The media and politics and everything in the world is rooted upon and founded upon convincing us that we are lacking something in our lives that they are going to fulfill. Now, this is, it's just called marketing. If you already are set, how am I going to sell you something? If you're already satisfied, you're not a very good customer. Especially if what I'm selling is not something you need. People who sell apples are probably never going to go out of business. But if what I'm selling are clothes or cars or vacation packages or beauty products or any of these things, I need you to feel that there is something lacking in you which my product is going to solve. So either you are too dark or you're too fair. Fair. Either your hair is too straight or your hair is too curly. Either you're too fat or you're too thin or you're wearing last year's model of jeans. This is how advertising works. The example that I always give, my favorite example on this is if you look at a commercial for soap, well, what does soap do? Soap cleans us. We all need it. It's a great product. Nothing wrong with soap. But an honest advertisement for soap would say things like Dove cleans so many more parts per million of bacteria than zest. Lathering up with Dove for five seconds is the equivalent of lathering up with zest for 30 seconds in terms of how many bacteria you've washed off. Commercials never do that. What do soap commercials look like? 
They are beautiful people. Singing in the shower as they lather up in the morning and their bathroom is all steamy and their their husband or wife or boyfriend or girlfriend is also in the bathroom singing and then they go out and their their child has miraculously gotten himself up and had his breakfast and done his homework and then the family walks out the door hand in hand and all you see It's just a little thing that says dove or zest, right? Nobody said anything about cleanliness. Nobody said anything about bacteria. We're selling happiness. Car commercials. Either it's freedom, right? You're driving off into the horizon. Will anyone here feel stuck in their jobs? Anyone here feel stuck in a situation? God, freedom looks so good. If I just had a Camry, I too could drive off into the sunset, leave behind everything. We're not selling airbags and brakes and, you know, seat comfort. We're selling freedom. We're selling romance. The guy with the car has got the right lady. You want to sell an SUV? Kids in the back seat are singing together. Well, when your kids want to strangle each other in the back seat, the subliminal message is you've got the wrong model of car. If you just buy this one, your kids too will sing in the back seat. So I share this because it's funny, but it's epidemic. Wherever you look, we are being told in every magazine, every TV show, every movie, every commercial, every ad on a website that we need something to be full. They are selling scarcity. 24 hours left of this sale, two left at this price. Get them now or they'll be gone tomorrow. You're growing old. Better get the right car, have the right family, take the right vacation, drive your Camry off into the sunset while you still can. It's all about scarcity. If they tell us, oh, don't worry, we've got a billion in stock, they'll probably, you know, price will go down probably in a few weeks. It's not going to sell. 24-hour sale, this week only, get it now. It's all about scarcity. And so what happens is we have been indoctrinated and brainwashed to believe that A, we're not enough, there's something wrong with us, something lacking, B, these people have it, and C, you're running out of time. Now that sounds very superficial. And even if we don't, internalize the message about the car or the soap, we do internalize the message that we're not enough. We do internalize the message that there is something wrong with us. And so we take that out in our lives. And the way to deal with the negative thoughts, first of all, is to make a commitment in your life to compassion. And to make sure that that commitment includes you. To make a commitment to loving kindness. And to make sure that you are included in that. And number three, to identify the voices. As the voice comes in, ask yourself, look at it. Who are you? Are you a commercial? Are you my fifth grade teacher? Are you my, my mother who meant really well when you said to me, you know, why can't you be like your older sister? I mean, parents mean well. They don't mean to mess us up forever. It just sort of, it just, it, it, it happens. And again, it's not their fault. Look at, look at any 25-year-old. They're kids. 
That's how old our parents were when they gave us these messages that we're carrying for decades. They were doing the best they could. But they were 23, 24, 25. They were babies. Figuring it out as they went along. They didn't mean, they didn't mean how it came out. But we internalize it. You're the stupid one. You're the messy one. You're the ugly one. You're the whatever. And the last piece is we also internalize the message from our parents, from our school, from our society that your worth is based on what you achieve. People who are successful, who are rich, who are the top, these are the ones that society glorifies. And the message is your value, your worth is inextricably linked with how much money you make, how high you have climbed on the career ladder, whether you're the president or CEO versus the mail clerk. Not just your salary is dependent, but your entire self-worth. And so we internalize that. And even if we don't go a traditional path, and even if we're not climbing a ladder to be a corporate VP or CEO, maybe if we could dream so high, we've still internalized the message that you're only as worthy as what you achieve. And today, sadly, living, living a normal life has become sort of substandard. Today it's all about what are you going to do that's never been done before? What are you going to do that sets you apart? It's, it's a disease. I mean, really, it's, a, it's actually a very, very serious disease afflicting pretty much everyone between the ages of about 10 and 50, but primarily the younger. It's, it's a recent disease. Look at your parents. Look at your grandparents. I mean, does anybody's gra- did anybody's grandmother want to, you know, do something that no one had ever done before? No, she wanted to raise a family and, you know, cook a beautiful casserole that would feed, feed her family and maybe have a garden. This was enough. Do some charity. Invite the neighbors over for dinner. This is what life was about. Today, you've got to do it all. You've got to have a career. You've got to have a family. Simultaneously, take care of your health, squeeze your own organic juice, get to the gym, meditate, do yoga, and stay peaceful and loving and happy while you do it all. <laughs> I mean, really, the, the, the standards have become just insane for what what counts as a legitimate life. And so no wonder we're all telling ourselves over and over again, you're not good enough. We've, ha- we've created a standard that none of us can possibly achieve. But again, like what I was saying in the earlier, earlier question, is when you look at it, it tends to dissipate. If we can look at it and say, oh my God, I can't believe I've gotten sucked into that model. I can't believe I've been brainwashed. Wow, yeah, you're right. My grandma was a really happy lady. Like, deeply fulfilled. Not that that's what I want to do with my life, but that there's nothing wrong with that. I actually have a lot to learn. A lot to learn from the elder generations about life. And so if we can just look in and recognize we are enough. It's not about what you do. It's about who you are. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let that be your gauge. Not what you do, but who you are. And if who you are is compassionate and loving and kind, it's a fantastic achievement. Just remember to extend it to yourself. You're listening to OTRFM, part of the IOM Radio Network. Being a radio host on IOM FM allows you to build your show on a rich platform with the power of the Internet to fulfill your outreach goals and connect with a very specialized and global online audience, unlimited by time and distance. OM Times Radio will provide you with web relevance, a recognizable conscious brand, and with the standard of excellence that has accompanied every single... Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Alaya, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. Hi, this is Christina Ricci with Rain. Every two minutes, another American is sexually assaulted. If you or someone you know has been sexually assaulted, you are not alone. Help is just a call or click away through the National Sexual Assault Hotline. Please call 1-800-656-HOPE, that's H-O-P-E, or visit RAIN.org, that's R-A-I-N-N dot O-R-G. Brought to you by RAIN and this station. Welcome back to Inspiration and Transformation. I'm so glad to have you all back here with me. How can we, as American yogis, raise consciousness in our country? Yeah, needed very much, needed very much not only in America, but all over the world. How can we raise consciousness? Well, the only way to do it is to raise your own consciousness. Sadly, there's no magic wand that we can take and wave it over people's heads and raise their consciousness. The gurus can do that. That's why we travel thousands and thousands of miles to come and sit at the feet of the guru. But when we don't have that power, what can the rest of us do? Well, we raise our own consciousness. And what happens when we do that is that we literally, energetically, become different. And what that does is it literally and energetically changes the people around us. We all know that we receive people's energy. This is where people will say things like, I just got a really bad feeling around that person. Or, 
God, I got such an amazing feeling around that person. People talk about good vibes and bad vibes. It's sort of a, a new agey way of referring to this. But it's really just energy. There's now incredible science that is showing what the sages and saints and rishis have said for thousands of years, which is what you think You emanate. You actually send it off into the world. So we literally, what we are thinking doesn't just stay in our brains. There's now incredible science showing that there are machines that can give you a brain scan without touching your head. Now this is amazing when you think about it. We've all seen, either in real life or on TV or in the movies, images of what brain scans look like. They hook up a machine to your head, and then on a, on a screen, on a monitor, on a machine, you get a reading. They now have a machine that can do that inches away from your head. The implications of this are huge. What it means is that literally what we are thinking, what we are feeling is going out into the world in a strong and exact way such that a machine, not your loved one, not your spouse or your kids or your friends who say, you know, are you sure nothing's wrong? You sure you're not sad? But a machine, a machine that doesn't even know you can pick up your brainwaves. So we should not underestimate the power of raising our own consciousness. One of the tragic mistakes that so many of us make is to take on what feels like a really noble mission to change other people. And typically we like to start with our family members, we like to start with our friends, and what ends up happening is even though we've gone into it, from a beautiful place in our heart, we've had an experience. We've had an opening. We've had an awakening. We've had an awareness. We want to share it with them. We want them to also have it. The tragedy is that you cannot give that experience to another person. And typically when they are your family members what they take that as is you trying to change them. And most of the time, it actually ends up leading more to conflict rather than our loved ones saying, wow, thank you so much for shining light on all the ways that I'm stuck. Thank you so much for shining light on all the ways that I'm living in ignorance. Thank you so much for showing me where that was really just my ego. Very few people react like that. Most of the time what we get is, shut up. (laughs) Don't tell me what to do. You are the problem. I was not stressed until you walked into the room. I'm very calm. If you, have a, you don't tell me to calm down, I'm very calm. If you have a problem with how I am, fix it. So we get all sorts of varieties of what we'll call non-effective responses. Hasn't helped us, hasn't helped the person. But what we don't recognize is the incredible power of just being in our truth. It's very powerful. And slowly, slowly, because we do emanate that, it impacts people. It changes them. 
people around us feel differently. We may not always get the credit for it. That's okay. We have to give up our attachment to them knowing that it was us who changed them. Because they may just think that they started feeling differently. They may attribute it to something else. And we have to allow that to be okay. But there's one more piece, which is, in addition to raising our own consciousness, we also are global citizens. And when things are going on in our communities, in our countries, in our world, that we know are not right, we actually have a responsibility to respond. That responsibility is because we're a member of a global family. If a member of your family were in trouble, whether they became a drug addict or an alcoholic and you had to organize you know, a family intervention, whether they became very sick and required medical treatment, maybe the family had to make financial sacrifices to get it, whatever, break a leg, have to be moved from the upstairs bedroom to the downstairs bedroom, so we all readjust, okay. We respond. We don't just ignore it and pretend it's not happening and just meditate in our own room. Yes, we keep meditating in our room as well. It makes us much better able to deal with that what it, which is going on in the family. But we also act. And that is true in our world. We have to respond. Each of us in different ways, there's no cookie-cutter response. Thou shalt act in this way. Thou shalt spend 15 minutes every day doing this or that. Each of us has different abilities. We have different skills. We have different connections. We have different opportunities. We have different areas of influence. But being spiritual does not mean I cut myself off from the world. Spirituality is not an either-or. It's an and. It's a yes and yes. The beautiful metaphor that's used so frequently in India is the metaphor of the lotus flower. It sits in the muck, in the dirt, but it stays white and beautiful and miraculously muck-free. And that's, that's really the model. Is It's not about, oh my God, you're mucking me, I have to go away. But how can I stay here? Stay with my roots in the muck, literally. And yet, give my fragrance, give my beauty, give my own nutrients back into this muck, whether it's through photosynthesis, whether whatever I'm doing, I'm actually able to channel assistance, nourishment, nourishing back into the muck. But I have no attachment that it's going to stop being muck. I just know that this is my role. And thats it's a really beautiful metaphor to think about. It's not I get drowned. It's not I stop being white. It's not I lose my fragrance. But it's this beautiful just visual to hold. And for most of us, it's a pendulum swing. For most of us, we go from being fully in the muck to being a few feet above the muck, roots not quite grounded. And then we swing back to reground ourselves, then we find ourselves a little bit mucky. Then we shift back, and it becomes kind of a pendulum swing, but you slowly, slowly, slowly find ourselves getting closer to that center where we're able to actually do both. And so we, we maintain our consciousness 
and we respond. Because if we turn our backs, really what that's saying is the people who are making the decisions in our country are the non-meditators, are the non-yogis. If all the yogis say, well, forget it, I don't want to have anything to do with politics, it's not a, very, it's not a spiritual thing. Politics and spirituality, politics and yoga, politics and meditation don't mix. Then what we've done is we've just created a world in which we say, well, everybody who has the power to therefore make a decision about our world by definition has to be a non-meditator, non-yogi, non-spiritual person. Which is a really scary thought. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. But we have to begin with ourselves and realize that if we say, well, I'm a spiritual person, I'm a yogi, I'm a meditator, I'm only going to work on my consciousness, then we're setting up a model that says those sitting in power will be those who are not working on their consciousness. And our world needs people who are expanding their consciousness to also make decisions for the world. So we do both. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM radio network. OM Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment, a philanthropic organization. Their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. Do you have time to read that inspiring book or that blog post you've been meaning to get to? In your busy world, how do you improve yourself and keep your life going? I'm Lisa Kay, and my Between Heaven and Earth radio show can transform your life just by listening. Be uplifted with inspiring topics, positive stories, and ideas that really work. Between Heaven and Earth Radio is conscious living for your soul every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Like Baldwin with people for the ethical treatment of animals. I grew up loving circuses and other traveling animal shows, but it never occurred to me what life might be like for the animals. Training wild animals to do things they don't understand takes force. Routine discipline with a hook or whip with the heel of a boot shows the animal exactly who's the boss. Don't patronize animal acts. Please contact people for the ethical treatment of animals. 757-622-PETA Welcome back. This is Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswati with inspiration and transformation. How can I open my heart and live with unconditional love even when I am fearful? What are we afraid of? 
When we don't open our hearts, what is the reason? What is it we're afraid of? Here's what's, what's interesting about this. And we're going to weave this, weave this back into love, but it's, it's really important before we can look at how to get rid of fear, to look at, well, what is it we're afraid of anyway? And they all go to the same, the same place. But let's look for just a moment at death. We all know we're going to die, at least the body. This is pretty much a given. And yet, that fear, the fear of death, is so profound and so deep that growing old is not only something that we're afraid of because, oh my God, it means I'm going to die, but it actually has started to become something that is seen as a failure. Thankfully, not so much still in countries like India where age is still revered, but in the West... If somebody says, if you meet somebody you haven't seen in a while and they say, God, you look really old. In India, it's a compliment. I mean, if someone says to you, you look really old, this is, this is a compliment. In this, in this country, the older you get, the more, the more respect, the more reverence, the more value. But in the West... Someone says to you, look old. It's like the worst, the worst insult. Oh, you look so young. Here, it basically means, you know, you, yeah, you're cute, but you're kind of worthless. <laughs> like, why should I listen to you? You're, I'd play ball with you, but I'm not going to value you. But in the West, there's this, this real sense, this pervasive sense of growing old as a failure of some sort. You're letting yourself go. As though you somehow actually had some control over the half-life of the carbon in the cells of your skin or the pigmentation of your hair, or the impact of gravity upon the muscles and the, the flesh, as though somehow that were in your conscious control, or even unconscious control. But it's seen as a failure. We don't dye our hair because we aesthetically think that brown is so much of a nicer color than gray. We're happy to wear gray sweaters and gray shawls and gray pants and gray scarves and paint our walls gray. But our hair can't be gray because it's a sign that we've somehow lost the game. We're a failure in some way. And this is a real deep-seated issue. We've digressed slightly from the open-hearted relationship issue, but you raised it, and so it's, it's an important one to just touch upon. If we don't know how to die, we don't know how to live. If we are living in a constant state of denial of death, we are not living authentic lives. I'm not saying thou shalt not dye thy hair. Make, make any sort of aesthetic choices that you want about your life. It doesn't matter. I mean, wear the clothes that you think are nice. Wear the jewelry you think is nice. Do your hair however you like it. No issue with that. We paint the walls of our temple. We take care of things. We want to make things look nice. We make choices based on whatever we think looks nice but recognize that it's simply about aesthetics and not about inner value. That I've not lost something, I'm not weaker, I'm not less worthy. 
my physical body is doing what physical matter does, which is it degenerates. That's what matter does. That's where the word half-life came from. Nothing that's material doesn't degenerate. Certain things at different rates, but everything degenerates that's physical. And if I deny that I'm physically degenerating, then what I do is I live stuck with this sense of I am my body. A deep awareness that my body is degenerating but I am still here is actually the point of life. You were saying I from the time you were a couple years old. Your body's degenerated a lot since then. But you still say I. And you're going to keep saying I as your body keeps degenerating. The eye is not the body. And the sooner that we recognize that, the better we are able to live authentic spiritual lives. The longer I think I am my body, the more I miss the whole point. And so we have to live with an awareness of death, of the physical body. Because what it does is it forces us to connect with that that doesn't die. Because, yeah, obliteration is scary. Annihilation is scary. If I am my body and this body is going to die, that's scary. The only antidote to that, the only way not to live in fear other than denial is to connect with that which isn't degenerating, which isn't going to die. That's the soul. That's the whole point. So let our fear of death lead us into an ardent and fervent longing to connect with and identify with and live as that which isn't dying. That's what keeps us alive. That's the peace that doesn't die. This is OTRFM, part of the IOM radio network. The number one reason girls drop out of school in sub-Saharan Africa is lack of access to feminine hygiene products. The Pads for School Girls Project, an outreach of Humanity Healing International, is changing this paradigm by setting up sewing programs at schools, teaching girls a vocational skill, while producing the reusable pads that help keep them attending classes. The girls pay it forward by making and giving pad kits to other girls in need. To learn more, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Circle of Hearts Radio is a sanctuary on the airwaves. Join me, Grandmother Aliyah, in the circle on Sunday, 2 p.m. Eastern, as I share information to both enlighten and nourish your soul. When I broke my foot for leaving me alone when I wanted to be alone. And, and now, now, as a grown-up, I'm thankful for being able to take care of you, my dear mom, for taking you to your therapies, for understanding that sometimes you simply want to be alone. Roles change without us noticing. That's why AARP gives you the information to provide even better care for your loved one. Visit aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. Welcome back. This is Sadvi Bhagavati Saraswati. And thanks for coming back and joining us for more of inspiration and transformation. In our relationships, though, So how do we have this unconditional love when we've got fear of rejection? If we get rejected, what does it mean? Means we're worthless? Means we're nothing? So the reason, the reason that I'm afraid in a relationship is if I I love you unconditionally 
and really open my heart and you reject me and I've been rejected, then I'm alone. I'm all alone. Now bear with me for just a moment. Let's go a little bit deeper. Why is being alone so scary? Why is rejection scary? What does it mean? Here's the tragedy. We have only one person upon whom we can count on for our entire lives. That's us. Everybody else at some point is going to leave us. Whether they leave us by choice, whether they leave us by death, everybody's going to leave us unless we die first, which we're afraid of for a separate reason. So, <laughs> so it's, a, it's, it's a lose-lose situation. You can be pretty sure that your worst fear is going to come true. Either you're going to die first or you're going to be left by the person whom you love. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. There is no way out of that situation. Either we die first, or they die first, or they leave us. The only one we can count on to be present all the time is ourselves. But we have given ourselves such a bad rap. We've ignored ourselves for so long that being alone really feels like we're living, we're in emptiness. I need someone. Well, you've got someone. You've got someone who the rest of the world thinks is pretty wonderful. You've got someone who is the someone to other people. Why can't you be the someone to yourself? Why are we so unable to recognize the value in ourselves that being alone feels like there is no one? We've literally spent our entire lives ignoring the only one who has stood by us in thick and thin, in night and day, in sickness, in health, who knows our deepest secrets, who has seen all of us, and who's still there. but we've pushed that person aside. And so the only way to get beyond the fear of losing another is to recognize how much we can comfort ourselves. The fact that even if no one else is there, there's still someone there. We are never alone. There's a beautiful line in the prayer we sing in the morning here that says, Tua kele nahi pyare, ram tere satme. You are never alone, my child. God is always with you. And whether we think of it as God outside of ourselves, 
whether we feel Krishna is always with us or Ram is with us or Jesus is with us or Hanuman is with us, doesn't matter. Whether we think just I'm always with me, however we interpret it, there's someone pretty special that's always there with us. And what that means is we never, ever, ever, ever can be alone. If we are alone, it's because we've turned on ourselves. And so the first and most important thing to do is make up with yourself. You've spent the last 10 or 20 or 30 or 40 years In silence, not speaking. All right, I mean, we're angry at a loved one and we pretend not to see them and, you know, kind of turn our heads in the other direction and we don't talk to them. We've been doing that to yourself pretty much your whole life. Kids love themselves. Then we outgrow it. We start thinking we need someone else. Someone else, someone else. And so the only way to love unconditionally without fear is to know that in loving you, it's just an added bonus. If I love you and you love me and we're in love, there's actually three pieces there. There's you, there's me, and there's love. We attach it to the other person. They left me, therefore my love is gone. But the truth is it never existed in that other person. If your loved one gets up and goes to the bathroom or goes to the kitchen or goes to work or goes somewhere for the night, you don't feel any less love. It's not like it dissipates as they get farther away, like, you know, the AC. You get farther from the AC, it's less cold. You get closer, it's more cold. I don't feel more love as I get closer. The love is there. It's not in your physical body. What it is is that in love with you, through you, I've been able to tap into the part of me that is love. I've been able to experience that piece of me, part of me, ocean in me, source in me that is love. And that's in me. And when we recognize that, then yeah, of course, I really want you to stick around. It's really, really nice having you here. But I'm not going to shrivel up and die if you leave me. Because I am still here and the love is still here. Which means I don't have to be terrified. And if I'm not terrified, then I'm able to open my heart and love you fully. I don't have to protect myself. Protecting ourselves from love is one of the the greatest and craziest tragedies that we do. We think we're protecting ourselves and actually we're shooting ourselves in the foot because our whole purpose is I'm going to protect myself from being hurt. Well, by not allowing myself to love you, I'm hurt today. I'm alone today in an effort to protect myself from being alone tomorrow. By opening up and loving you, I have the possibility to still be with you tomorrow. To be with you next year. But by refusing to really love you and really open up, I'm ensuring I'm alone from today. I may be physically with you, but I'm not full inside because I'm not open. So it's not about how many people are around you. 
It's about how deeply connected to them you are. And so in this effort to protect myself from losing you tomorrow, I've shut myself off today. I've already made myself alone today. So I open my heart with courage. Because it's, it's the only possibility. Everything else ensures loneliness and ensures pain. This brings to a close this hour of inspiration and transformation. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so glad to be together with you all each week. And I look forward to being together again next Thursday, same time, on Ohm Times Radio.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.